Hey, Buzzheads, welcome to the 70s Buzz Podcast. I'm Curtis Tucker. And I'm Todd Wheeler, bringing you our memories, or lack thereof, of growing up in the 70s. We are not a history podcast. We just want you guys to know that. Sometimes we get things wrong, and if you listen to us long enough, you're going to be screaming at your device trying to give us the right answers. Listen up as we recount growing up in the Midwest and our unique experience. Go to 70sbuzz.com for more info and leave us your thoughts. Let us know if you guys have any show ideas, if you'd like us to uh, get you on as an advertiser. And don't forget, please leave us reviews on your favorite podcasting apps. To hit the record button, see, because that's going to get you in trouble every time. Every time. Now they can't hear it. You're not going to put it on there? I might match it up again. That sounded cool. Yeah. It was kind of weird because you're so far away and you sounded just as loud as I did. Yeah. Which is kind of weird. It's kind of like, ooh, how'd they do that? How'd they do that? I got a thing on my computer. Uh-oh. <laughs> Your PC has been unprotected for 54 days. Blah, 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 blah. I don't want to put... I don't want to do that right now. Somebody answer the phone. Answer the phone. Answer the phone. Hello, Buzzheads. Welcome back <laughs> to the show. Like, why are you looking at me like that? I don't that? know, because you were like, you were going to do something over there. Uh, you never know. I don't know. Hey, we are on video again, just a little bit, giving you guys a little clips of the show. But welcome back to the 70s Buzz. Welcome back. Podcast. Will you dream of your ticket out? Where we talk about nothing but the 70s, ever. We never get off subject, well, ever. Whatever. Do we ever get off subject? All the damn time. Yes, we do. We apologize. I, we, didn't, uh, I didn't mean to cuss. We thank you guys for sticking with us. Even we get a little off subject. Uh, email continues to come in. You guys thanks go to itunes and subscribe you can uh, hit us up at 580-541-38 was that oh five yeah uh <laughs> buzz at buzzheadmedia.com it's only been that number for like three years well i and i didn't even see it so i kind of did remember it <laughs> yeah we're earthquaking over here um Sorry. so uh, yeah so hit us up thanks for all the emails uh, the suggestions and comments about prior episodes and uh, if you read the title to this one, yeah, um, we might name it something jazzy like uh, "Impeachment Nixon Style." Oh, seventy Nixon Impeachment Seventy Style or something, because yeah. we don't want you to think that this episode's going to be boring. Oh no, and political and impeachmenty like the boring <clears throat> impeachment going on in real time now. This. Is going to be cool. We're going to give you maybe details you've never heard about Nixon and the old impeachment and break in and Watergate. I'm not a crook. Not a crook. Not a crook. So I should find that audio bite. Does does he really say I'm not a crook? I mean, what what does he really say? Yeah, I think he said that somewhere. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. So. um, So anyway, the question is, (coughs) with impeachment being so boring in 2020. Yeah. Why was impeachment so cool in the 1970s, Mr. Wheeler? Because it was the greatest decade known to man! See what I did there? Yes, it was. I saw that. (laughs) You you, you tried to fake me out. See ya. Okay, so I guess now you know. And and again, I always forget that if you're listening, if you're this far into the show, you've probably already read the title and the uh, description. So you know this episode is going to be about impeachment, which uh, we are... Recording this the night before the Senate votes on Trump's impeachment. So we're going to go all the way back to the 1970s and give you a little history on Richard Milhouse Nixon's impeachment. Milhouse. No one. Okay. Now, this was. This was some good stuff going on back then. Now, at the time, we didn't realize it because we were 12, 13, 14 years old. Yeah. No, not even that old. Yeah, I was going to say 12, 10, 10, 11, 12, somewhere. 10, yeah, 10, 11. Yeah. And, um, but yeah, there was some stuff going on. Yeah. Interesting stuff. Not, I don't know, he made a phone call. Yeah, so so real quick, just to relate this to uh, Mr. Wheeler and I in our hometown of Enid, Oklahoma. Mm-hmm. So my grandma, great-grandma, great-grandma. Uh, Elizabeth Valentine Irwin, never learned to drive. So she lived about a block 
eh, two blocks away from a little shopping center that had a grocery store and everything that she ever needed in life. So she would walk down and buy her groceries and carry them home. Anyway, she was 100% in love with Richard Nixon. Oh, really? So I would we would go to my grandma's house for um, <laughs> holidays. There was plates. There were plates on the mantle with Nixon's mug on them. Yeah. I mean, that's how much she – she was like a – she liked presidents. I don't know that it was necessarily. I think. I think it at the time because he was president. It just seemed like she really liked. Nick, but she got letters from Reagan and Carter, and really? she, she wrote to him, and then they would write to her and send autograph pictures. So I've got autograph pictures of Reagan. I think he sent her a letter on her hundredth birthday. Oh wow! Um, and things like that. But she collected a lot of stuff from Richard Nixon. Yeah, and so so growing up, there was a lot of Nixon stuff around. Yeah, um, and then in May of 1974, it was a Saturday. So uh, so there's two things about Enid. Enid is connected to a military Air Force base where they train pilots, mm-hmm. and then about an hour away, we've got Oklahoma State University in Stillwater, which has you know a large 30,000 person you know university over there. So a lot of presidents get asked to talk at OSU. Not a lot, but you know, every now and then. So, so, um, so in 1974, and so and when they do, especially Republican, president. yeah, when they do get asked for some reason. So, so Nixon did it, and um, George Bush. Jr. did it. What they do is they fly into Vance Air Force Base, which is here in Enid, mm-hmm. in Air Force One. They land. And then they get in a helicopter, which flies here from Washington, and then the helicopter takes them over to OSU, and then they do their speech, and then they helicopter back and then take off. So that's what Richard Nixon did in 19, May of 1974. So Saturday, May 11th, 1974, I found the itinerary online for Richard Nixon. I don't know how, why, but literally everything that he did is online. You can find it. So uh, 7.39 or 6.39 p.m., uh, president flew in at that time. Air Force One was called the Spirit of Seventy Six. It had like a nickname. Oh. So he flew into Vance Air Force Base from Andrews Air Force Base in Maryland on what they called the Spirit of Seventy Six, and uh, at six thirty nine p.m. And when he got off the plane, he basically addressed the crowd. So I was there. Yeah, I now, was there. You, you were there. So yeah. we were. Th- we were there. I was there because my, you know, great grandma was not going to go without seeing Richard Nixon. Yeah. So he and I believe his wife mm-hmm. got off the plane, huge crowd. They walked up to the crowd, shook some hands, and then he said a few words. Um, I just remember being in the crowd. It was hot. We I think we had to stand out there like hours yeah, waiting was, on him. Yeah, and it was May. It shouldn't have been that hot. I, but I just remember it, it was being, hot. It was hot. You know, you're on a, we're la- literally on the runway. Yeah. You know, there's like a roped off area on the runway. And I think there might have been some bleachers, but I think I stood the whole time. So, so anyway, he addressed the crowd. Uh, he and the first lady took the helicopter from Vance over to Oklahoma State University at 7.36 p.m. Uh, this was just when all the impeachment thing was starting oh, yeah. to get talked about. They said that uh, despite, the talk of uh, impeachment, what was going on with the Watergate scandal. Um, there was a few people that made shouts at him over in Stillwater, but the crowd of the 30,000 literally stood up and cheered for him. He gave the speech at Oklahoma State University to the 1974 commencement exercise over there. And uh, during his speech, he said, quote, I know you're good at wrestling, Nixon told the crowd. I could learn something from you about that. <laughs> because he knew he was gonna you know yeah. he was gonna be in the fight of his life. Oh, so it was, it was the thick of it. Yeah. So so then they, they load up nine twenty six PM, he and the first lady helicoptered back to Vance Air Force Base. Uh, they boarded Air Force One and they left the Sooner State. I guess before he left he declared, according to this thing I read, he declared, this is God's country. Um, and he said, that old oaky spirit deep down inside, we never give up. And so he was preparing, I think he was preparing the nation for what was to come. Now, that was May of 74, right? That was May of 74, May 11th, 1974. So May, June, July. So three months later, he was gone. 
Yeah, I mean, yeah. So we we literally saw him in the thick of things. Oh yeah, he was. Yeah, because uh, then the next month, the book "All the President's Men" came out, and that's that kind of like just did it in. That was like the nail in the coffin, and for him, I mean, as far as I. The way I interpret it, anyway. Yeah. So, so now we'll kind of get into Nixon and and <coughs> kind of the. So what I did was I was kind of researching. I wanted to like kind of go over because you know you hear all the stories and we grew up with it and and so I remember it being on the news a lot. Yeah. Um, now we didn't, of course, in the 1970s, as we all know, we didn't have 24-hour news. Didn't have fake news either. We didn't have fake news. We didn't have 30 channels. But what I didn't realize was they did. They did show the hearings, all, all like streamed it. I mean, a lot oh. of it. And what they did, I was going to get to that later, but all th- the cool thing back in that day was all three of the major networks worked together. So one day NBC would show the hearings, oh. the next day CBS, the next day ABC, and then they would they would rotate rotate. Oh. And so and then I think PBS showed all of it all the time. So there actually were. There was actually a lot of television coverage of the hearings, hmm. even in the 1970s. Um, I kind of remember, I was trying to think, seems like my mom, you know, she'd come home from work at five. And, you know, just to get everything done, the first thing that she would do basically is go in and cook, uh, you know, which we never, I mean, nowadays we eat at like six, seven, eight. Yeah. But it seems like in the 70s, because we always ate at home, we always ate around between five and five thirty. Right. And I think I'm thinking, remembering back that the national news came on at five thirty, and we were Walter Cronkite mm-hmm. kind of people. <laughs> and so uh, I just kind of remember, you know, eating every night, and there always being updates on Watergate. It's yeah. just Watergate this, Watergate that, Watergate this, and yeah. not knowing. You know, us being kids, we weren't really that interested yeah. in, in yeah. what the heck is Watergate. What the heck is Watergate? And right. why do we care? And yeah, so anyway, we, we, actually, we didn't. We didn't care. We didn't care. Yeah. So, so I uh, was going to research what caused there to be a Watergate and a and a potential impeachment and all that good stuff. And so, um, basically, that's what a, a lot of the stuff that I dug up was the actual crime. Uh, the cover up and stuff like that. So now, before you before you jump into that, I thought, what exactly is impeachment? You know, because it, it's that word's getting thrown around a lot nowadays, like it was back then. Quid even, quid pro quo. Yeah, I still don't figure out what that means. Every time I hear that, I think of Silence of the Lambs. Farva beans. Uh, farva beans. <laughs> and a nice canty. Yeah. yeah. Same but different. <laughs> same but different. Um, so impeachment is the action of calling into question the integrity or validity of something. It could be anything. Yeah. It doesn't have to be presidential. Yeah. Um, the impeachment process, the impeachment is the process by which a legislative body levels charges against a government official. Um, so it's. Basically, I mean that's what it is. It, it sounds a lot. It kind of sounds a lot worse than it is. Basically, you're just you're just calling somebody out. Say, hey, I'm impeaching you, which basically means, hey, I'm I'm you did something I think is wrong, and I want to dig into it and find out what it is. That's all it is. I was gonna say it's literally like suing somebody. Yeah. You, you can sue anybody for anything. Sure. You can accuse them of anything. So and so that's what's happened in the Trump deal, um, and. And so, so the way that it works, if you don't know, just um, usually, I don't think usually, I think the House, House yes. of Representatives has to file yes. the charges for impeachment, and then the Senate is the one that kind of looks at the charges, decides if there needs to be a trial, puts on the trial, and then they vote right. whether to actually impeach or... Um, well, so he, technically... When when it, when the house is doing it, it's you're you're being impeached, right? Because you're you're getting called out on something you allegedly right. did. Right. The house impeaches you, right? And then the Senate decides whether to do something about it. Yeah, to kick you out off, basically to kick you out of office or not. And it's never happened. It would have happened <laughs> with <laughs> well, Nixon. Yeah, with Nixon, it would yeah, have happened. It would yeah. have happened. He yeah, had no chance. Yeah. yeah. So so that's kind of and then um, I've kind of noticed on social media, some people maybe don't understand. Uh, the Senate 
is the House of Rep or the Senate is the senators, and the House of Representatives are the representatives, and both of those bodies together are Congress. Make up Congress, right? Yeah, and so the whole and and so back in the day, I mean, when you when you start listening to this stuff, you realize how freaking smart the dudes were that set up our government. Oh yeah, I mean to even think of this. Yes, and so what they did was they the way that impeachment works is. I mean, you know, Trump and and everybody. If you've got the Senate on your side, you're you're pretty much unless you've done something really bad, you're probably not going to get impeached. Now, if the House is on the opposing side, you could. I'm afraid we might now now that this can of worms has been opened, there might be a lot more impeachments going on for in the oh. future. Um, but yeah, so basically, it's so one part of Congress. So both, both, so you can't get him. There's got to be it's checks and balances. Checks and balances. Yeah. yeah. So anyway, so the way that's the way it works. Anyway, getting back to the crimes um, of what uh, Nixon did, even though I think you know, I think he finally admitted it when he did oh, the he Jack, when he did the Frost uh, interview. Um, I think I think he finally came clean. I know for many years after he left office, he denied. I'm not a crook. Um, but anyway, January 27th, 1972, is uh, when G. Gordon Liddy, he was the financial counsel for the committee to reelect the president. Mm-hmm. He presented a campaign intelligence plan that involved extensive illegal activities against the Democratic Party. Basically, he wanted to spy on the Democrats. So uh, and he denies it. He deny he denies that he's the one that came up with the idea. So uh, now Liddy did. I can't remember how much time Liddy did. He did. Oh, I could tell you. He did some. He did some prison time. Four and a half years. Well, that's not bad. I think. Oh he, no, he did the most of anybody. I was going to say, but I think some of <clears throat> most of them got like months. Well, but most of them got. 40-year or 30-year sentences, not, but nobody did even no. close to what they got sentenced, no. I don't think. No, no, no. No, uh, Bernard Baker, he got he – basically, he got sentenced twice. He got he did 18 months for one charge, and then he got resentenced for another charge uh, for between two and a half to six years. I don't know exactly what he served, but uh, Liddy did four and a half years. Hunt did 37, 33 months. Virgilio Gonzalez, who the heck is that? Thirteen months. Uh, Eugenio Martinez did fifteen months. Oh, those were the guys that actually did the burglary. Okay. Uh, James McCord Jr. did four months, and then uh, Frank Sturgis did fourteen months. So nobody did much time. Yeah. So, so there was basically <clears throat> several crimes. There was the actual crime, which was committed by the f- five. Four burglars, five bur- four or five burglars. I'll yeah. get that. Um, and then there was the cover up, right? And and then all that. So so anyway, so th- some of the guys under Nixon thought that Liddy's plan was just too impossible to do. So his so Nixon's attorney general, <laughs> who was John Mitchell. Mm-hmm. He, they came up with a reduced version of the burglary plan, and he approved it. So Attorney General approved mm-hmm. the burglary and spying on the Democratic Party. Yeah, so, so if the Attorney General knew about it, then the President knew about it. Oh, yeah. And, so, and then that's where a little bit of controversy comes in, is uh, who actually said, yes, let's do it. According, you know, according to them, Nixon said, let's do it. According to some people... John Mitchell. Anyway, so they decided to do it, um, which what they were going to do was they were going to break into the Democratic National Committee headquarters, which was in a hotel. Well, there's a whole complex. Of well, buildings. yeah, it was hotel and, and offices called the Watergate, Watergate complex. Well, yeah, Watergate building complex. And that's where the word Watergate came from. Yeah. And it was, it's in Washington, D.C. And I uh, guess it's still there, isn't it? I th- yeah, I think so. And so basically what they had planned on doing was breaking into the office, take photographs of campaign documents, and and then install bugs yeah. so they could listen to what the DNC was up to. So at the end of this, when we get through some of these details, uh, if you don't know, and I didn't know, I'll tell you the reasons why why break into the office and spy on them. Right. What, were you, what were you trying to get? Right. Obviously... 
you're trying to get dirt. Obviously, you're trying to get information, get information, or know what the opposition is up to. But the, they had some specific reasons that people uh, believe is why they broke in. Yeah, and then actually got caught in the process. Yes, they did. They weren't very smart. No, they weren't at all. Yeah. So, um, so May twenty eighth, they did break in, and they got to two phones were wiretapped and took lots of pictures. Uh, and got out safely and went back and started listening to phone conversations and then had like pictures of some of the stuff. And then they, there was something and I can't remember one of the devices, uh, quit working and they needed to go back in to repair it. Oh, that's when they got busted. That's when they got busted. So they went back in. That was June. Um, and went back in midnight on a Saturday, June 17th, 1972. And that's when a guard noticed that one of the was was in a door. It was a jar. <laughs> no, he noticed. You've been waiting days yeah, I, to do that. You know, he noticed there was something funky about the door. And so he looked, and they had put tape over the little latch. latch. Hang on. I thought Forrest Gump caught him. Oh. Remember that? Yeah. <laughs> Forrest Gump did everything. Or somebody over. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So now the funny thing was they had a guy across the street, I think at a Howard, a Hojo's. Yeah. He was supposed to be the lookout. Oops. And I think he was watching TV <laughs> and not paying attention. Um, I've got, uh, it was, uh, I don't know if I got, Alfred Alfred Baldwin was supposed to be the, the guy outside watching what was happening. He got distracted by what was on TV. <laughs> okay, so 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 the guard took the tape off and closed the door. Well, some at some point the burglars noticed that the door was shut and locked. So they put tape over the door again. Then the guard comes by and notices the tape back on the door. And so he's like, "Oh, poop, something's going on." So he calls the police. The closest police were a group of policemen that were in an unmarked car and they were in plain clothes. They were called the bum squad because they dressed as hippies and looked like drug dealers. Cause that's, they were trying to bust, oh. you know, drug dealers and crime guys. So they didn't, so they didn't come buzzing in with sirens and police cars and sure. police uniforms. And I think that's part of the reason the dude, the lookout didn't really notice uh, the unmarked car pull up and these hippie looking dudes get out. Uh, Even if he had seen them, which he might have, it didn't. It just didn't click with him that they were the police. Oh, so I mean, because it's it's not it's not like you know there wasn't like stashes of money or anything. I mean, no. There, why would you? Why would anyone break in? Obviously, you're going to tell us here a little bit. But so. Yeah, yeah. So, so they did, they didn't know what was going on. So it wasn't like a huge. Yeah, it wasn't like a bank robbery where right. they go in with guns drawn. I don't think. But so anyway, they went in and uh, on the sixth floor, they uh, well, I guess they oh twenty nine offices on the sixth floor, and uh, yeah, police went up there and they caught him. <laughs> They're like, uh, what are you guys doing? Yeah. So <laughs> and so the burglars were some of those names that you named off that no. I doubt anybody knows the name of the actual. Now, see, the funny thing is, until I researched this, yeah, I kind of thought <clears throat> Nixon's guys were the burglars. I thought like Liddy and Dean, and I actually oh. thought some of those guys, oh no, are the ones that yeah, did it. But no, no they they hired they them. hired this group of guys to go do it. So now maybe Liddy and them should have done it. <laughs> yeah, definitely they should have done it. So yeah, so so there was five of them. There's five burglars. They all got caught. Um, they were charged with attempted burglary, attempted interception of telephone and other communications. And then at that point, the, the media caught hold, the newspapers caught hold of it. And, uh, so they, they started investigating the story. They found $2,300 in cash on the guys. Most of it was in $100 bills with serial numbers in sequence. Oops. They had a shortwave receiver that could pick up police calls. <laughs> they had 40 rolls of unexposed film, two 35-millimeter cameras, and three pin-sized tear gas guns. What are they doing with tear gas? I, I guess in case they... I think if the guy across the street had seen cops coming... They might have used the pins to shoot tear gas to maybe in their escape or whatever is my yeah. guess. 
Oh, but they didn't have guns or anything. I don't think so. No. Yeah. Tear gas. Well, tear gas guns. Pin size. So, but yeah, no, no. Not that I know of gun guns. So, pew, pew, pew. yeah. So anyway, so <laughs> when I, what I've heard is the phrase follow the money came from the Watergate investigation. So, so basically once they started, you know, kind of looking into it, like, hey, what is this all about? Somebody in the investigation started following the money and try and had to figure out who paid these guys to do the burglary. And that's when poop started hitting the fan. Mm -hmm. Um, Of course, after they got caught, Nixon and his buddies were like, oh, poop, we got to figure out how to make this not be associated with us at all. So that's when they started their cover up. Yeah, that's, that's, yeah. And then, then they started lying and Nixon basically came out and said that Howard Dean had investigated the crime and they had all the details and it was all wrapped up and and they were going to they basically were trying to sweep it under the rug yeah. and and at that point Nixon and Dean and all the guys thought okay we've we've done this we've hidden it it's all over yeah it's all over we took care of it don't worry we about took it care of it don't yeah. worry about it, people we got yeah. it all taken care of so so at that point Nixon lied Nixon wah, was wah, Nixon wah. was lying already at that point saying that making it sound like Howard Dean had investigated when he didn't. He, he knew what had happened, and so that's when the cover-up was started. So September 15, 1972, a grand jury was indicted. Um, oh, the, no, the, a grand jury indicted the five office burglars as well as Hunt and Liddy for conspiracy because they followed the money. The money trail went back to Hunt and Liddy. Um, they got uh, charged with conspiracy, burglary, violation of federal wiretapping laws, um, and they were tried by a jury. They pled guilty, and they were convicted on January 30th, 1973. And then, strangely enough, in November of 1972, Nixon wins re-election. Re-election. By a landslide. Yeah, so so there's a lot of behind-the-scenes things that we're not going into, but every time Nixon thought he was about to get caught or somebody was hot on his trail, he would either, I don't know if they would bomb like oh, Cambodia or something, but he, yeah. he would bring up something with the war uh-huh. and take the spotlight away from Watergate and yeah. put the spotlight back on the war, and then that would get the American people like, oh, Nixon is really helping us and really doing good things. Mm. And then people will kind of forget about Watergate yeah, for a little bit. They do it today, too. Yeah. Yeah. So so that, so that so there's a lot of that that we're probably not going to get into, but yeah. So Tricky, tricky Dick. Tricky Dick. I think that, that's probably where that, that <laughs> yeah, came good. from. Yeah. Yeah, or Slippery Dick so anyway, uh, because of the ruthless press, the fake news guys, they kept they kept investigating. You know, mm-hmm. they they were like, no, there's something else here. So they found out. They discovered that the burglars were somehow related to the Republican Party, and uh, somehow tied them with Attorney General John Mitchell at the time, and John Mitchell involved. Uh, uh, denied all involvement, so he lied. So, so it's funny how within the last, for basically from Nixon on, when it's kind of funny how some people, especially famous people, go to jail, and it's usually they don't usually go to jail for the crime. For lying. They usually go to jail for the lying or the cover up because right. you can't you can't lie under oath. I mean, it's especially to Congress. Yeah, it's a it's punishable by <laughs> imprisonment. Yeah, yeah. So. Um, yeah, not that you weren't going to go to prison if you told the truth, but, you know. Well. But it seems like they get in worse trouble because of the lie. So anyway, so Mitchell's lying, uh, Nixon's lying, and on August 1st, a $25,000 cashier's check was found to have been deposited in the U.S. and Mexican bank accounts of one of the Watergate burglars, Bernard Barker. Uh, it was made out to the finance committee of the committee to reelect the president. So basically, it was a 1972. They deposited a 1972 campaign donation into one of the burglars' bank accounts. <laughs> Follow the money. Dumbass. So, so it wasn't. Yeah. So it wasn't like these. The, the guys investigating had to think much. They yeah. just followed them. They literally just followed the money. Uh, and it went straight back to the uh, Republican Party. 
and so that's when uh, things really kind of started. Uh, so did they? Did they? Were they just so arrogant that they didn't think they would get caught, and they just didn't? try real hard or were they just really that dumb they couldn't be that dumb i think at that time they were that dumb i think they just thought we we can't get caught how would how would we get caught i think is what they thought i think i don't think they were thinking that there was any chance of getting caught so they were just arrogant yeah i think so yeah yeah because <laughs> if you were not arrogant and smart and, and why have five guys break in just have one guy break in. Well, because I think one guy would be setting up one tap, another guy would be setting up another wiretap. One guy would be taking probably a couple guys were taking pictures of as much stuff as they oh, could. Okay. So it, you know, one guy maybe supposedly so the lookout who didn't do a good job. <laughs> You're fired, by the way. Yeah. So I mean, and it's probably not just like one office. What? When just one room like ours? It was like. A whole complex of offices. They probably had to cover a lot of ground. Yeah, I, yeah, they literally. probably, yeah, they literally probably had to go from office to office. Just now, I'm sure they knew because they were across the street, kind of spying on them from across the street. They probably knew which offices and to hit been, first, and they'd been there before. Yeah. So, so anyway, yeah. So five, uh, yeah, it does seem like a lot of dudes to be sneaking up there. Well, that's just um, that many more dudes that take the chance of somebody spilling the beans, and that's why you hire one guy and just let him take five, five times longer to do it yeah yeah so anyway so things are starting to unravel luckily for these five guys hillary wasn't involved or they'd have done committed suicide uh, somehow <laughs> you can't say that on national television i did i did, I did. yes you did uh, i ain't scared that's a little chuckle there <laughs> remember who said it I didn't, <laughs> hillary i didn't say anything uh so uh then september 29th, 1972, uh, they reported that uh, John Mitchell, while serving as attorney general, controlled the secret Republican fund used to finance intelligence gathering against the Democrats. So John Mitchell was going down. On October 10th, two names that you may recognize, Bob Woodward and Carl Bernstein reported that the FBI had determined that the Watergate break-in was a part of a massive campaign of political spying and sabotage. What was that? What was that date again? That was October tenth, seventy-two. Seventy-two. Yeah, seventy-two. So okay. um, basically, it was the Republicans spying, trying to sabotage the election committee, uh, trying to sabotage the Democrats. Um, again, the whole time Nixon is denying it. When all this flared up, again, Nixon went to the whole war thing. People were more, I think people were concentrating on the guys that had already been caught, the burglars, and then the war. And I think people were kind of brushing off Bernstein and um, Woodward. I think they were like, yeah, you guys don't know what you're talking about. You're making this way more than what it really is. So, so um, nobody was really taking those guys seriously. Um, and then, like you say, in that um, in that at that time was when uh, the next election came along. Nixon not only won, but it was the biggest landslide in American political history. That's, I, I remember when I remember that election. I remember the they kept talking about a landslide, and that's the yeah, first time I ever heard the word landslide. landslide. Yeah, I was like landslide. What's, What's a landslide? landslide? Exactly. Yeah. So so Nixon overwhelming won uh, a lot of due to the war. Uh, you know things like that. So he won. So did what? The, so, so they didn't even need to do this because he won so big. They didn't even need to break in. Yeah, that's what's funny. Is yeah, it's just a waste of time. Yeah, I mean that's just it. There, there's yeah. I mean it's like seriously. <laughs> I mean, so so when I tell you the stuff that they thought they were going to get, yeah. I, yeah, I don't know. I just it just boggles the mind. Yeah, they, yeah, they they won by so big. Why were they even trying to sabotage the Democrats? I, 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 I don't know. Idiots. Talk about yeah. Talk about wasting a lot of people, a lot of money, a lot. They dragging the country down for something that. Uh, anyway, so um, anyway, uh, Bernstein Woodward kept digging, kept writing articles. Um, then came a dude. Nicknamed Deep Throat. Deep Throat. Deep Throat came along, and he had the scoop. And so he started feeding. Uh, so the Washington Post, New York Times, and uh, some of the other big magazines kept writing articles. Bless you. And like I say, Woodward and Bernstein started meeting with a unknown. So 
Deep Throat went unknown for 33 years. Yeah. I remember it was a, even, you know, as adults, it was like, yeah, everybody still wondered who Deep Throat was. Well, you know, in 2005, they finally named. I can't remember who it was. The informant, he was un- identified as William Mark Felt Sr. He was a deputy director for the FBI during that period of the 70s. Um, and then he said that, that he was Deep Throat. And then Woodward later confirmed that, yes, Felt was Deep Throat. So, so Deep Throat felt was feeding those guys like facts, and literally all they had to do was go look up the fact, and it would be true. And so, um, so things continued to unwind. Uh, Nixon continued to lie, but uh, it was getting a little hot around the the White House. Mm-hmm. So finally, Nixon. Uh, trying to save his butt, started firing people. So this is where... Yeah, in the summer of 73. Yeah, so this is where the next crime comes in, which is, you know, basically firing people for trying to cover up your misdeeds. Yeah. So he fired, let's see, John... uh, I'm not sure who Ollie fired. Um, Let's see, John Dean believed that he, Mitchell, Ehrlichman, and Haldeman could go... Okay, so John Dean decided, let's save the president... We'll all go in, um, Dean, Mitchell, Ehrlichman, and Haldeman. We'll go in to the prosecutors and tell the truth, and we'll save the president. You know, we'll admit that we were the ones that yeah. came up with the idea and saved the president. Because he, you know, he wanted to save the president and then um, have his four closest men take the fall, basically, by telling the truth. Uh, during a critical meeting between Dean and Nixon, April 15, 1973, Dean was totally unaware of the president's depth of knowledge. So Dean didn't really understand that Nixon really was probably behind this whole thing. Mm -hmm. He kind of thought Nixon just knew about it, but hadn't planned it. Um, And so while he was talking to Nixon, he felt like Nixon was talking weird to him, I guess. So he got this weird feeling in the Oval Office you know how sometimes you get a feeling, well, he got the feeling that he was being recorded <laughs> because of some of the things that Nixon was Try, saying and trying to get him to trying say. Trying to get him to say, yeah. Yeah, so, so in the back of his mind, he's thinking, I wonder if I'm being recorded. Uh, so anyway, it goes on. Uh, Nixon says, no, let's don't do that. Um, and let's see what else went on. Um, anyway, the Senate committee uh, decided – that I think he went, I think after all that, they kind of started, you know, not getting along. And so I think Dean went to the Senate committee and said, hey, I think there might um, have been taped conversations about all of this. And then that's when the Senate was like, oh, dude, there's tapes, tapes, tapes. Really? So they uh, February 7th, 1973, United States Senate voted 77 to zero to approve uh, 93S Resolution 60 to establish a select committee to investigate Watergate. 77 to 0. That's when you know you're in trouble. Uh, So anyway, so they put a committee together and started investigating. The hearings held by the Senate committee were broadcast from May 17th to August 7th, 1973. The three major networks of the time agreed to take turns covering the hearings live. Uh, basically, like we said earlier, one, you know, ABC, then NBC, then CBS, um, an estimated 85% of Americans with televisions tuned in to at least one portion of the hearings. This was big stuff. Yeah. And I don't know how many hours a day, uh, it went on, but, uh, it reading that it's like, wow, it kind of was 24 hour news just at that one, you know, just for that one little period of time. Yeah. Um, because, you know, the hearings now are on several stations, but they, they run all day long. Uh, some people are in, I think these hearings are a little bit, the ones with Trump are a lot more boring compared to, and you know, and it was kind of a shock with Nixon. It was like, what? He did what? (laughs) Yeah. He just won a landslide just six months ago. Yeah. He's our, he's our president. He did what? Uh, so anyway, so 85% of the people watched, uh, on Monday, July 16th, 73 in front of a live televised audience. Chief Minority Counsel Fred Thompson asked the White House assistant, Alexander Butterfield, whether he was 
aware of the installation of any listening devices in the Oval Office of the President, live, <laughs> under oath, Butterfield's revelation, revelation of the taping system transformed the Watergate investigation. That's when all poop hit the fan. Special yeah. counsel Archibald Cox, um, who had been picked, they had, they had, I think they had picked somebody that was supposed to be neutral. Um, so, there, you know, they didn't want it to look like there was any cover-up. So Archibald Cox was the one decided. He immediately subpoenaed the tapes. What tapes? <laughs> the Senate subpoenaed the tapes. What tapes? And then guess who refused to release the tapes? Nixon. Nixon. So thereby, we got another crime going on. Yeah. Um, so he decided, I'm not going to release the tapes. He dis- he cited executive privilege as president and ordered Archibald Cox to drop the subpoena. Archibald Cox said, I don't think so. So this is when it starts to get really juicy. October 20th, 1973, after Cox refused to drop the subpoena, Nixon, now I didn't know all this, Nixon ordered Attorney General, the new one, because Mitchell had gone on to another position by that point, and so the new Attorney General was Elliot Richardson. So Nixon told Attorney General Elliot Richardson to fire special prosecutor Archibald Cox. Well, Richardson was like, I'm not going to do that. So he resigned. So Nixon went to the next guy, the deputy attorney general, who was William Ruckelhaus, I guess, to fire Cox. He said, I don't think I want to do that either. So he resigned. (laughs) So Nixon went, he started searching for the next person who happened to be uh, with the Justice Department. So he was checking out the Justice Department, trying to find somebody that would fire Archibald Cox. He found solicitor, see if you remember this name, General Robert Bork. Bork didn't want to fire Archibald Cox, but um, he did. Let's see. He wanted... Uh, he, he, probably, he probably did that because he was he was a military man, right? Yes. And basically, the president is his commander-in-chief. Yeah, he considered... He he knew the order was, uh, let's see, Nixon believed the order was valid and appropriate. He considered resigning to avoid being perceived as a man who did the president's bidding to save his job, but he went ahead and carried out the presidential order and dismissed Archibald Cox. So that was called the Saturday Night Massacre. All right. When And, and I'd, I'd heard of the Saturday Night Massacre, but I didn't realize that Nixon had started firing all those guys. So... Um, so Bork did get rid of Archibald Cox. So they had to get a new guy in. They got the new guy in. Um, but at that point, the public turned on Nixon. They were like, what? Wait, what? They turned quick. He did what? Um, and so they even basically started, um, you know, I guess they had uh, read somewhere, 450,000 telegrams were sent to the White House demanding Nixon's impeachment. 450,000. Yeah, people were pissed. So um, demonstrators started showing up at the White House, picketing outside, uh, screaming and yelling. So all heck at that point had broken loose. Um, The New York Times declared the next day, the nation is in the hands of a president overcome with dictatorial misconception of his constitutional authority. And uh, we were in all kinds of deep doo-doo with our government at that point. But Nixon had a plan. Nixon always had a plan. Um, let's see. He had, he did. What do we call it? An exit. He had an exit plan. Yeah. No, well, yeah. We're not even there yet. We haven't uh, even got to the smoking gun yet. Oh, how much time we got? Am I going in too much detail? No, you're, you are. Um, March first, nineteen seventy-four. Grand jury in Washington D.C. indicted several former aides of Nixon who became known as the Watergate Seven mm-hmm. for conspiring to hinder the Watergate investigation. So. They covered up the bur- – they did the burglary. They mm-hmm. covered up the burglary, and now they were trying to divert the Watergate – hinder the Watergate investigation. So, I mean, these guys are just piling up charges, right. you know. Um, so the grand jury indicted those guys, the Watergate 7, and they secretly indicted Nixon as a co-conspirator, but he didn't know it. So, so they're so they're basically you know looking into him, and he didn't know it. So, 
Uh, court ordered the president to release the tapes to a special prosecutor on July 30th, 1974. Nixon compile, uh, complied with the order and released the subpoena tapes to the public. Now, but there, there was parts missing. I was going to say there, there's a whole story within that about whether to release because there's a lot of cussing. He cussed. And at that point in, in the 70s in America, we didn't really have cussing on television. So to play the tapes whole, right. you would have had to play the cuss word. So they, I, I literally think it took a couple of weeks to decide whether to release the tapes whole or edited. They decided to release them edited with the cuss words and anything that was... Um, oh, germane to the... Well, anything that might be... Um, Something you know, the enemy might you know anything. Oh, uh, what am I trying to say? Um, uh, secure national security. Yeah, any, yeah, that that had all be clipped out. So I can't remember who it was. Some lady had the tapes, and she was clipping out the stuff that needed to be clipped out. And at some point, she clipped out a part that nobody to this day nobody knows what it was. And she says she pushed the wrong button with her foot. However, the machine worked that she was using. But anyway, there was a big, a big controversy about a clip that she left out of one. But anyway, once the public heard the tapes, um, they uh, yeah, it, it was pretty much almost over there. February 6, 1974, the House of Representatives approved a resolution 803 giving Judiciary Committee authority to investigate impeachment of the president. On July 27th, the House Judiciary Committee voted 27 to 11 to recommend the first article of impeachment against the president, which was obstruction of justice. The committee recommended the second article, abuse of power. And then July 29th, next day, on July 30th, the committee recommended the third article, contempt of Congress. So three deep doo-doos for Nixon. Yeah, him, him personally. Right. So not, now, not, now, not yeah. some underlings, not some guys that work for him. Yeah. Him. So, so, so now we're we're getting to impeachment. So the so they decided, yes, we are going to impeach you, and these are the three articles of what we think you've done wrong. So you are impeached. Um, but you know, you know, impeachment is like a trial. You don't know, you know, which way it's going to go. But that's when the smoking gun came along. There's a smoking gun. There was a smoking gun. Sweet. And it was basically. Uh, August 5th, 1974, the White House released a previously unknown audio tape from June 23rd, 1972. Recorded only a few days after the break-in, it documented the initial stages of the cover-up. It revealed Nixon and Haldeman had conducted a meeting in the Oval Office where they discussed how to stop the FBI from continuing their investigation of the break-in as they recognized that there was a high risk that their position in the scandal might be revealed. Bam, set, match, done. Yeah, so uh, Haldeman and Nixon, he recommended to Nixon that they attempt to shut down the investigation into the Watergate break-in by telling FBI Director L. Patrick Gray to stay the hell out of this, quote-unquote. Yeah, yeah. Oops. They, they, yeah, Nixon, the one thing you got to say about Nixon, dude had some balls. Yeah. The dude was like... I'm president. You ain't getting me. I mean, he he went down swinging. Uh, so uh, after the smoking gun was released, he literally was toast. Ten congressmen who had voted against against all three articles of impeachment in the House Judiciary Committee announced that they all supported impeachment articles <laughs> accusing Nixon of all of those things. So he knew he was toast at that point. On the night of August 7th, 1974, Senators Barry Goldwater and Hugh Scott, along with Congressman Rhodes, met with Nixon in the Oval Office. Scott and Rhodes were the Republican leaders of the Senate and the House at the time, respectively. Now, look, he's a Republican president. He's got a Republican leader in both the House and the Senate, and he's toast. <laughs> They're coming to him saying, dude, you are toast. So um, Goldwater was brought in uh, as an elder statesman. The three lawmen told Nixon that the sport in Congress had all but disappeared. Rhodes told Nixon that he would uh, face certain impeachment when the articles came up for a vote in the full House. Indeed, by one estimate, no more than 75 representatives uh, were willing to oppose impeachment. Um, and they also told him that in the Senate, uh, no more than 15 senators were willing to vote for acquittal. So the numbers 
he was going down. He was yeah. he was going to be impeached and he was going to be kicked out Prosecuted, of office. Prosecuted, yeah. Yeah. Well, they weren't even yeah, so this was no, this was just getting kicked out of office. This wasn't even any, you know, jail time or any that stuff yet. Um so basically Nixon realizing he had no chance of staying in office, public opinion was against him. He decided to resign and went on uh, national television from the Oval Office on the evening of August 8th, 1974, and he resigned. Uh, part of, uh, I don't know how much I want to read. I'm just going to read the last paragraph. There was like three paragraphs of what he said. Uh, last one was, quote, this quote from Nixon, I've never been a quitter. To leave the office before my term is completely abhorrent to every instinct in my body, but as president, I must... Put the interest of America first. America needs a full-time president, a full-time Congress, particularly at this time with problems we face at home and abroad. To continue the fight, to continue to fight through the months ahead for my personal vindication would almost totally absorb the time and attention of both president and Congress in a period when our entire focus should be on the great issues of peace abroad and prosperity without inflation at home. Therefore, I shall resign the presidency effective at noon tomorrow, Vice President Ford will be sworn in as president in that hour in this office. And with that, he was done. Next morning, uh, August 9th, he, uh, they said goodbye to his cabinet staff, uh, everything his family loaded up. They got on the uh, helicopter and uh, took him to the plane, and they left. And I think that's where he did the... Uh, I think oh, when he was getting on the plane, he did the oh, two good. fingers. I thought he did that all the time. Well, he did, but I, I think that was like one of his most famous. Oh. Like, and I, even at that point, he was still denying that he was, you know, kind of behind all this. So, so uh, that was August ninth. August ninth, October seventeenth. What six weeks later? Yeah, Ford pardons him. Yeah, and so and then so you know how we love to tie things into Enid. Yeah, uh, not. It's been about a year and a half. So, so we are our podcasting office is at the Triangle Business Center. Right. The guy. So it's run by a company called Triangle Insurance. Triangle Insurance has a yearly annual get together. Two years ago, they had President Ford's son come talk. During his talk, I went to. He talked about how conflicted President Ford was to pardon Nixon, and he literally knew that pardoning Nixon would cause him not to be reelected president at the next coming election. But for the sake of the country, right. he pardoned Nixon because it would it literally would have drug out for – could have been years. So he, he pardoned Nixon for what? Because Nixon at that time, had he been – so even though he resigned, was he still in trouble, or was yes, he was still he was he he was now now that he was out of office, the actual law was going to come after him for wiretapping and blah 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 and all that other stuff. So before they could even throw the book at him, Ford pardoned him basically, so he wouldn't yeah, so they wouldn't have so so there wouldn't be anything, there would be no trial, there'd be no. It would be done. Yeah, it would be done. So, which was probably the best thing. It was. I mean, you got to feel bad for Ford because uh, it was so bad that you know Carter wiped him out, and then both I think the Senate and the House lost tremendous Republican seats to the Democrats. You know, basically the country flipped. You know, at that point, which you know you got to understand. Yeah. That you know you got a president yeah. and his underlings. Yeah, back in the seventies, them Republicans were a bunch of lying, breaking in, covering up. They could still be today. Who knows? Sure. Some, some, I think yeah. they all are, but uh, you know, we don't want to get too political on here. So anyway, um, so yeah, so uh, his presidency officially ended at 11.35 a.m. when Kissinger received the letter and Ford began uh, to be president. Let's see. A short while later in the East Room of the White House, Ford was sworn in to office by Chief Justice Berger declaring our long national nightmare is over. So the whole thing, so it started in June of 72 and ended in October of 74, so over two years. Yeah. So, it, yeah, it's a, yeah, it was. It was quite a, yeah, so uh, it was big. It was, that was definitely, had to be probably the biggest story of the 70s. I mean, you know, 
Probably, if yeah. not maybe top, top five. Yeah, I mean Vietnam War. That yeah. was big news, but yeah, that was that was pretty big. Yeah. So what was the? Uh, so now that we've now that we've okay. So what what were so they what were they getting? Yeah. So so that was my deal. Was why what were you going to get out of taking picture? So, so my thought was. Who cares what the Democrats are going to do? So if the Democrats are going to have 800 people canvas and knock on doors in Utah, are you going to get <laughs> 900 people to go knock on doors in Utah? I mean, right. so my, my thought was, why? Why did they do this? Right. And so, so this is all – and I don't know that anybody knows for 100%. These are what they think um, uh, happened. The first, so what Wood, I think what Woodward and Bernstein – came up with was um, that, let's see, records from the United States versus Liddy trial made public in 2013 showed that four of the five burglars testified that they were told the campaign operation hoped to find evidence that linked Cuban funding to the Democratic campaigns. Oh. So basically, Nixon thought if the Cubans, who were communists, right. Fidel Castro, were giving money to the Democrats, even though he won by a landslide, he thought that if that was – if he could dig out so, – so according to this story, that story, they were going in to try to find out if the Cubans were actually funding the Democrats, spending – giving the Democrats money. Okay. I can believe that. Okay, so and then the second theory is um, late journalist J. Anthony Lucas of the New York Times had concluded that the committee was seeking to find evidence linking the Democrats to prostitution, uh, as it was alleged that Oliver's office had been used to arrange such meetings. Nah, who cares about that? Now, wasn't wasn't Nixon? When was Nixon vice president? Under who? Was it Johnson? No. Johnson's Democrat. Um, who was before? Uh, see, now you're get, you're about to get us in trouble That's here. That's okay. That's all right. Because I'm not thinking. Um, because now Nixon ran against Kennedy at one point, didn't he? And lost. And lost. Yeah. So. Yeah, so Kennedy was... Um, and then Johnson. So I don't. Was Nixon uh, was Nixon vice president? I don't know that he was vice president. I don't know. I'll, I'll check it out. Check that out. I no. I don't think. I don't know that he was. But you know the the Cubans. The Cuban. The Cubans did have Kennedy done. They've proven it. Oh, they have. Oh yeah. I uh, saw. Yeah, I was watching a program the other day. Well, so my why would the Cubans off Kennedy if they were funding the Democratic Party? To defeat the Republicans. Well, because maybe they—I mean, they didn't—they didn't care. Oh, hold on. We got to turn on the conspiracy button here, real quick. <laughs> okay, conspiracy button has been turned on this episode of the Seventy anyway. Buzz Podcast. Uh, so yeah. that kind of makes sense to me. I mean, I could the prostitution theory. Nah, pff, nah, who well, but you know, you're talking the 1970s. If the Democratic and to get dirt on them. Yeah, but oh. if the Democratic National Committee is running a prostitution ring out of their office... They're not going to do that. That would be a pretty big scandal to make yeah. them lose the election. So, so, but yeah, I th but it, I'm thinking if four guys under oath, now I, of course they were burglars, um, testified that they were told that it was to find a link between Cuban funding. Now, yeah, so, so the question there is... What were the Cubans funding the Democrats? Hmm. Could be, could be. And back then, I mean, you know, Kennedy, you know Kennedy, Putin's funding the Republicans now. Hey, thanks, yeah. thanks. Um, you know, back then in '72, Kennedy had only been shot like nine years ago. So I'm sure, you know, there was a lot of uh, animosity towards someone who may have been involved in it. So yeah, maybe they did say, hey, you know, we're going to make sure the Cubans aren't messing around. You know, like they did back in the '60s. Yeah. So yeah. I can see. That. I can yeah. see that. Yeah. So so basically, there were hearings to kind of try to get information. But the funny thing is, Nixon never the impe he was he was impeached. You know, they they put 
impeachment charges against him, but it they dropped him because he resigned. So he wasn't in actuality. I guess he was impeached, but he he was impeached, but he was he wasn't kicked out of office. I guess that's what I'm trying to say. He was right. impeached, but he was not kicked out of office. He resigned. Um, the uh, after he after he resigned, Congress dropped the impeachment proceedings. Criminal prosecution was still a possibility, and that's why. Uh, basically, he could have been prosecuted on a federal level and a state level, and that's when uh, Gerald Ford was like, nah, let's don't do this. Oh, he could have done time. Oh, yeah. Well, he would have done time. There's no Can doubt. Can you imagine that, a president yeah. in jail? Well, he'd have been in one of those cushy, still, cushy prisons. But still. I, I, I have no doubt that Nixon would have done time. Had I mean, everybody else did. Oh, uh-huh. yeah. Now, he would have done like three months, you know. <laughs> yeah, but still. Like the, you know, yeah. the other guys only. Now, Ford did a good thing. He did, it, he, did, he did the right thing. Yeah, let's see if I got a quote here from Ford. Um, da, 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 da. He said Nixon's family situation. Uh, Ford said uh, in, in relation to the Nixon family situation is an American tragedy in which we all have played a part. It could go on and on and on, or someone must write the end to it. I have concluded that the only. I have included. I have concluded that only I can do that, and if I can, I must. Yeah. At the end of Watergate, at the end of the Watergate scandal, sixty-nine, sixty-nine government officials were either charged were, were charged, and forty-eight of them were found guilty. Wow. Forty-eight. Wow. Wow. That's Crazy. government officials. Whew. Yeah. This stuff. Go- this stuff going on now is. That's a, yeah. nothing. That's nothing. A, that's a pretty big. That's a pretty good scandal. I just wait, so so reach and I don't want to get political, um, <laughs> but it just it's just funny that reading everything that Nixon did, which was bad. I mean, the dude was dude. He was, was a crook. He was it was a crook, and hearing pundits on television today saying that what Trump did Allegedly. is ten thousand times worse than what Nixon did. I'm like. I must be missing something because yeah. not not to say I'm a Trump fan or blah blah blah. I'm just saying from what I've heard, I'm not hearing anything like what Nixon did. I mean Nixon, he was he fired <laughs> Attorney General and Assistant Attorney General. I mean, yeah, that's something you can hang your hat on. Yeah, I mean I'm like, dude, you can't do that. Yeah, I don't. It just I anyway. So there you go. There's the impeachment of the uh, 1970s. If you guys have uh, lots of memories of it, let us know. Let us know what you thought about Nixon. I mean, so today, looking back at Nixon, what do you think? Like him, hate him, any, neither here nor there? Neither here nor there. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm not real up to date on, like, what policies, what things he actually did for the country at the time. I know, you know, there was a whole war thing. I do know, uh, interesting, we'll tie it back into Enid, um, I remember... Somebody wrote a book on the Vietnam War, and in the book, they had an excerpt from my uncle, Richard Scaling, who was in the Air Force. Oh, yeah. He was flying B-52s over Cambodia, and so my uncle related the story to him, and this guy put it in the book, and I don't remember what the name of the book is, but so dur- – and I think this was during the impeachment, the Watergate scandal, Nixon – was you know trying to divert attention from the Watergate scandal? Right. So he was saying, "We're we're not bo- we've stopped all bombing and we have a truce in Cambodia. We're you know we're trying to try. I'm trying to bring the troops home, you know, to get everybody to Rally. yay Nixon yay. So there's a recording. So my uncle's in a B-52 with the radio on, where Nixon is saying in a news conference. There's a truce, no bombing in Cambodia, while he's in the B-52 dropping bombs on Cambodia. Cambodia. (laughs) Yeah. So And so he he related that to a a guy that wrote a book on Vietnam, and and it was was in the book. And I don't don't think he, you know, too bad he didn't like, couldn't record, you know, nobody had phones or recorders or anything at that time. But I thought that was kind of interesting. That's crazy. So anyway, there's our, uh, we, we, we. We won't do too many political things. That's our first political episode. There really wasn't a whole lot of politics in the 70s. No, no. Not, not really. Well, besides that. Besides that, yeah. And that was huge. I mean, that was 
that's like country changing. I mean, that changed it did it changed a, a lot, lot of stuff in this country. So um, it did bad Nixon, bad, bad, bad. <laughs> uh, so anyway, that uh, again, you guys, five eight zero five four one three eight zero five. If you want to leave us a message or call, buzz at buzzheadmedia.com. I know a lot of you guys are sending me emails with your thoughts on the episodes. Thank you for all of that. You can go to iTunes and leave us a review there with your thoughts on the show. And click on those little stars there, and uh, you can subscribe. Click on the stars. So uh, I guess we're going to wrap. We making an hour on this one? We over oh, an hour yeah. on this oh, one? Yeah. Oh, yeah. we're well over? Oh, okay. Oh, yeah. So I guess uh, we're going to wrap it up and get out of here. See you later. See ya. See ya.